All right, hello and welcome to the Been Talking with Peak Performers podcast. On this podcast, we talk to peak performers in their field so you can then go perform at your best. Just before I start this show, I want to talk to you guys about an initiative that I've started and that is producing podcasts for business owners and people that want their own amazing show. But for now, let's get into our guest for today and that is John Dwyer, also known as JD. He's the marketing genius that even Seinfeld trusts with his brand. When it comes to creating sales for small businesses, John is refreshingly unconventional because there's so many marketing tactics out there that are old, stodgy and failing. John preaches in a sea of sameness in your industry, you need to stand out like a beacon. So John has worked for big companies like McDonald's, Seinfeld, a whole range the greater, really, really amazing brands, but he now focuses on how he can take those tactics and implement them into small businesses so they can get return on investment for their marketing dollars. John and I had an amazing chat. You get two marketing people in the room. Really, really cool stuff. Thank you for coming on, John. Really excited for you guys to get into this one. So let's go. John, JD, thank you for coming on the Bean Talking podcast. I, I really appreciate it. Um, you're a guy with an extensive direct response marketing experience. You've done work with the likes of Jerry Seinfeld, um, Channel 9, uh, all the all the big brands as well on your website um, and and have a real passion now for small business owners and how they can use direct response um, you know because they have limited budgets so di- di- direct response usually has good results so that's um that's my sum up of yourself from my research but for people that don't know you um, yeah tell us a bit uh, a little bit about yourself well, thanks, uh, uh, Tim. And um, I, uh, you did leave out the fact that I'm a very, very good friend of Pope Francis as well. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. So yes. given, that we're, given that we're name dropping, I mean, I, I did the campaign with Jerry Seinfeld a few years back there. It was quite a few years back, but I'm still milking the daylights out of it. So mm. uh, let's, just, let's just make up Pope Francis, all right? He's a close yeah. personal friend. Mate, yeah. um, look, uh, the, the game that I've been in for the last six or seven years has been Tradition, uh, more more focused at SMEs, so small to medium sized businesses. And before that, I was looking after some of the big guns in the uh, in the corporate world. So it was your News Limiteds, and I was doing stuff with Maccas and KFC and David Jones and Seven Eleven. And uh, when there was video stores, Blockbuster Video, and that was all great. Don't get me wrong, I very much enjoyed it. But I thought to myself, you know what? Um, hopefully, we'd be able to make a few dollars out of small businesses if I actually gave them access to this intellectual property that normally only the big businesses had the budgets to do. And so I, I basically cut up all of my IP into bite-sized pieces and made it available for butchers and bakers. And that's really what we've been doing over the last seven years. And mate, look, there is some frustration to that because small businesses are normally run by a good technician. So it's a good mm. landscaper or a good lawnmower or a good uh, concreter or a good fish and chip shop. And they don't have a lot of time for executing, um, let alone having strategy, but certainly even executing things. So what we've found in the last couple of years that we needed to do for small businesses is not only give them the good direct response ideas, but give it to them in a package format so it's sort of done for them. Because the frustration for me was that I was giving them the ideas that I would have given McDonald's, but they just didn't have the staff, they didn't have the time, they just didn't have the wherewithal to execute them. So we've woken up to ourselves now and said, okay, if it's a small business that's doing hundreds of thousands of dollars or maybe one or two or four million dollars, they don't have a marketing team. So we've got to give them not just advice, but a packaged advice that they can just press a button. Mm. And I really like the fact that you've packaged it up. It's actually quite a big book, um, the Institute of WOW manual. Um, I wish you had one with you that you could uh, put on camera, but I'll, I'll link okay. to it. Um, 
And in terms of like doing this as a service, what you may have found frustrating is you can give a business owner as much advice as possible, but the implementation on the back end then doesn't happen. I've, I've found that myself. Were you coming across that and then the difference between then packaging it up, you now see people implementing because it's a package? Yeah, Tim, you're spot on, mate. Look, it's like the doctor who tells someone to stop smoking and then they don't stop smoking. Um, and it's like the gymnasium personal trainer who tells people they've got to exercise and uh, the people just go to the training once or twice and think they're going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it was frustrating. There's no question about that because I'd come from a corporate world where when I walked into the Greater Building Society and said to them all those years ago, look, stop getting in the price game and swap your honeymoon discount for that first year into giving them a free holiday. Mm. They had the wherewithal. They had the marketing department of, you know, seven or eight people. They could actually execute the great ideas, if I do say so myself. It was not a bad one. So I give them a reasonably good idea. They were able to execute it. Um, I had, I'll give you a classic example, Tim. Uh, a restaurant in a major city comes on board my program. It's a pizza restaurant, a New York pizza themed restaurant and he's got two of them and he said to me look the restaurant game's pretty tough i want to move more into home delivery because that's where there's good money the damn trouble is that pizza huts and the pizza havens and all that are delivering pizzas at home for six or seven dollars uh i've got wood fire pizzas they're the best in town but we're charging 20 or 30 dollars for them how do we get that to be a home delivery hit I said, okay, leave it with me. And so therefore, a few days later, I got back on the phone with him. It was like this. It was, it was a video call. It was a Skype call. And I showed him a mock-up that I'd put together. And it was a James Bond-looking character in a dinner suit with white gloves, silver tray, with a pizza box on top of the, on the silver tray. And I said, this is how you're going to do your home delivery. You'll be the first ever white glove, black tie delivery service of wood-fired pizzas in the world. And when your guy gets out of the car at the moment where he got his cap turned sideways and he hasn't shaved for probably a week and he doesn't even know what aftershave looks like or smells like and he rolls up at the door, he will no longer look like that. He'll look like James Bond with a black tie, dinner suit on, white gloves and a silver tray with the pizza box looking like it's been designed by Michelangelo. I'm telling you, the moment that he rings that doorbell, they'll be ordering pizzas three times a week just to take selfies. And that will be viral within two minutes. The only white glove pizza delivery service in the world. You know what? His jaw dropped. I could see it on the video call. He said, oh, my God, this is a game changer. I said, yes, it is. He said, oh, fantastic. He got off the call very excited. Three days later, we had our next call. He said, oh, my wife and myself were just thinking, it's pretty warm in Brisbane, which is where it was. He said, uh, for my drivers to wear a dinner suit. I said, no, no, stop there. They don't have to wear a dinner suit all the time. They just put the coat on when they get to the house, all right? Yeah, but look, we thought we'd come up with a good idea. We looked up Gumtree and we can see this onesie pyjamas with short sleeves that is printed like a dinner suit. Uh, and I just said to him, mate, do yourself a favour, close up your business and get a job because you should be working for someone, not running a business. Mm. And anyway, guess what? He uh, he ended up, we ended up parting ways because I he was suffering from severe dickitis in my mind. And uh, as it turned out, uh, guess what? The restaurant closed about six months later. Yeah, but that idea and, you know, you've branded yourself quite well in terms of that wow because as soon as you were, were talking about that, my, my man was going, wow, that's a great, unique, um, it's not just a campaign, it's also then you're, you're mixing customer experience into the campaign as well um, and that's yeah. what it's all about. I, I really love um, the one of the, your coolest case studies, there's, well, there's two of them, one is the candy store in Sydney um, that the really Disneyfied, uh, Disneyfication, I think is the word that you use, um, mm. their, their corner shop. So can you tell me, like that? that's more someone now has actually implemented your advice um, and then what were Tim, they? 
Tim, thank you very much for leading into stories that I can blow more wind up my backside. So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I feel so silly sometimes because when I'm on one of these podcasts, and we do a few, uh, people like you who will be kind enough to bring out some of the wins. And by, by the way, you know, uh, there's plenty of uh, things that I've touched that haven't turned to gold either. But of course, we won't talk about that. No, um, of course. But it's nice of them when they bring that up because there's some there are there are you know a few spectacular ones, and this is one of them. It's a guy who owns a series of candy stores. We call them lollies in Australia, of course, but they're candy stores. And what he does is that he imports from overseas all the international candy he can get his hands on. So therefore, a lot of it comes out of America, stuff that we just wouldn't normally have in a lolly shop here in Australia. Now, he has an incredible, uh, I guess, flagship store at Windsor in a mall. So they're Mm. closed off the street. It's one of those walkthrough malls like Pitt Street. And um, lovely, lovely business. When you get inside, it looks like a Woolworth supermarket in terms of the lighting and the presentation of all this wonderful candy from America and Europe. But the outside of the building just looked like a morgue. And he's a lovely guy, Darren Peed. He's become a good friend now, so he's probably into his third year of you know consultancy with us. Um, and I said to him, mate, what were you smoking when you came up with a design for the outside? I mean, the inside looks fantastic. It just looks like Disneyland, but the outside looks you know like a morgue. And so he laughed and took my criticism and insults on board. He said, well, smart addict, what do you want to do about it? So I sketched up that night. I'm a bit of a layout artist, so I sketched up that night uh, what I thought the front of the store should look like because Tim, you know that for most of us, the director of first impressions these days is our website. You know, little Susie who answered the phone is now number mm. two, right? Mm. But for a retail store, really, you know, I guess relying on passing traffic, their first, uh, their director of first impression is still probably the shop front and the website comes next. So therefore, I said, fix up your director of first impression, your website. And so therefore, I sketched up what I thought would be the way to go. And I took a lot of it out of Disney's Toontown. If you look at um, in Disneyland, they've got a Toontown sort of area now for younger kids and Roger Rabbit's in it and a whole bunch of the other characters. And so therefore, I, ske- I sketched it up with the same architecture that you would find in Toontown and uh, threw it at him the next day. He loved it and said, what do we do from here? I gave it to my art studio that does all this stuff for us. They turned it into a Disney-style shop front. He had that shop front manufactured off-site. They came one night at 10 o'clock at night. We filmed it on one of those fast motion things. Mm. 10 o'clock at night through to 6 the next morning, they put the entire new Disney-style shop front up and uh, it cost him seven grand. That was all it was for the artificial shop front, $7,000. He made that extra $7,000 back by 10 o'clock that morning. 10 o'clock that morning. He opened at 8.30 and an hour and a half, his takings were $7,000 above what they were on a normal Saturday. He made back, and of course, we're talking millions now. We're talking a little bit further down the track because what he did as a result of the success of, if you like, you know, that makeover, uh, he has other shops, one at the entrance in Gosford uh, and another couple, and he's done the same with them. And of course, you know, the results were predictable because you knew what was going to happen. It was just simply creating wow factor on the front end of a shop that had wow factor inside. It was always great when you got inside, but of course, the challenge is getting them inside. Yeah, and it's that. I mean, it's it's basic human principle. Like your first impression is the lasting impression. And if you can, as a retail store, the, the amount of stores that I walk past, and I see you on LinkedIn as well doing um, hashtag marketing fails of, of businesses that's just <laughs> – and it's great. It's a highlight of my day when I see it. Um, <laughs> but but they just they have a shonky sign or they, they do that. And uh, like the thing that really fascinates me about that candy store example is it's one – small change like seven thousand dollars in the scheme of things is is not a big investment like you can 
you can throw seven thousand dollars up the wall at any marketing campaign, but you've you've done something there that is like a ten to twenty percent creative change. Um, that's ten x triple x business, which is really fascinating in terms of growth hacking and direct response marketing. Well, Tim, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, mate, because the thing is, is that uh, it frustrates me um, to see uh, the demise of retailers in the age of Amazon, um, and it doesn't have to be that way. I, I did one of my little rants on Facebook, and uh, uh, as you know, Tim, my, my style is pretty sarcastic and, and in, the, in the face. It's all meant to be, look, for, for, you know, it's meant to be humorous. I'm not wanting to hurt anyone's feelings, but... I've taken on a bit of a Gordon Ramsay persona in terms of saying, look, what were they thinking in this coffee shop when they've got bright yellow canary tables and fire engine red chairs? Did they really think that would suit brown coffee? Mm. Um, so I, I am a bit cheeky, but the thing that really amazes me is that the retailers are bemoaning the fact that they're you know, closing down all over the place because of Amazon. That could be fixed in a heartbeat. Mm. If only they would go to Disneyland and just see what happens when you give extraordinary customer service, not customer service, we're talking extraordinary customer experiences because yeah. that's what Disney preaches. And they don't do that. I mean, David Jones has a tagline, there is no other store like David Jones. Yes, there is. That might have been the case. Back in the day when I was a child, my mum would take me from Sydney suburbs into the city and there'd be a guy in a dinner suit at the door with a little top hat on and he'd introduce himself and he'd say, can I help you? When you got in the elevator, there was a guy on a stool that asked you what level you want and so on and so forth. If David Jones woke up to themselves, and decided to create a Disney-style experience when you visited the department store, they wouldn't be closing the department stores, I guarantee you. I agree. I, I 100% agree. Like, the experience is everything. You now walk around a big department store, there's no one there to help you. There's boxes all over the place. There's, and it's, it's coming from, my belief is it's coming from bottom-line thinking and accountants running the marketing departments. Now, I don't, want to, I, I don't want to. I don't want to take because there's some really good accountants out there and that kind of thing. I don't want to taint them with a brush, but you know, you, you the lack of that customer experience and what actually is happening when people are walking around your store. Like, I'm weird. I love watching people's reactions in Safeway and, and how they're making decisions. And um, we were actually also talking. Um, off camera about you dragging Gail, your wife, around um, and pointing out all these things about marketing. And I, and I bet, like, I do that with my girlfriend. So, um, you know, I, I give them a laugh. Yeah, but you don't, you, you don't embarrass your girlfriend on Facebook Live by putting her in the frame of the video. <laughs> but, Tim, look, you bring up a good point. I'll, I'll tell you how easy it is to fix businesses. And, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm making out that I'm some uh, major called David Copperfield and I'm not, but it really is normally pretty simple to fix uh, a business. Uh, and it comes down to marketing, you know, that as well as I do. Because the thing is, is that at the Greater Building Society, I'll never forget, for the 10 or 11 years mm. I was marketing, uh, doing marketing consultancy for them, <clears throat> I said to the general manager at one stage, if you had put as much money into the operational side of this business to you know, get the call centre to open up, to answer the phones quicker or to get more computers in to take, the, you know, take away a lot of the paperwork, and if you put all that money into the operational side of the Greater versus putting it into the marketing like they did, get a home loan, get a free holiday, Jerry Seinfeld, do you think you would have had the same result? And he goes, smart Alec. I said, well, I'm just telling you the big difference for any business, the game changer is not necessarily the concept itself or the product or the service. It's all about the marketing of it because the mm. butcher who holds the sausage sizzle outside his shop every day will be selling the same meat as the butcher across the road that doesn't have a sausage sizzle. But which one do you think is going to win? The guy that knows how to market. Okay. And the, this, if you think the lolly shop is a good case study, listen to how simple this one is. Pharmacy down in Victoria <clears throat> says to me, uh, JD's an Asian guy. 
He said to me, JD, uh, we're going out of business. And I said, why? He said, well, pharmacies are being beaten up by a 40-ton gorilla, which, of course, is, you know, a chemist warehouse. They've only just opened up not far down the road from us, and everyone that was getting a prescription from us has gone down there. I went, okay, right, well, let's have a look at the symptoms. So who's your target audience? He said, well, mainly older Italian people, because this particular little regional area, when World War II was finished, a lot of Italians came out very young at the time, who are now in their 70s and 80s, mm. and uh, they need prescriptions. And so I said, okay, good. So what percentage of your audience would be, you know, European? He said, oh, a good 70%. I said, okay, what do you think they like? And he, he said, oh, what do you mean? I said, what do Italians like? And uh, not pizza, but what do they like? And he said, oh, wine. I said, what else? He said, coffee. I said, there you go. So I said, your pharmacy is too big to be a pharmacy. Why don't you just create at the shop window a, a, a coffee shop? He went, what? I said, just create a coffee shop, but it's got to be done properly. So he flew up to the Gold Coast where I live. I took him to the Palazzo Versace and showed him what the tables and the chairs needed to look like and what the ambience needed to look like. And that's what he did. He created a coffee shop with, you know, half a dozen tables and chairs, um, made sure that the coffee was barista style, but it was a machine. Okay, mm. so he wasn't going to employ a barista because guess what? This was free coffees. And what we did is we put a membership card out through the letterbox right around the area. Keep in mind the age group of this. We weren't going to give them an app. So, therefore, this, this little card gave them an absolute access to free coffee for the rest of their lives if they come in and get their prescriptions done at his pharmacy versus going down to Chemist Warehouse. Guess what? Tripled his business in six months. Wow. Tripled his business. Yep. Tripled his business. And Chemist Warehouse are looking for me because they have an assassination attempt. I'm sure they'll be looking <laughs> um, I, I, so the thing is, he, Tim, yeah. he thought he had to beat them on price because he said to me, Chemist Warehouse, I'm not going to beat them on price. I said, of course you won't. No. I mean, the hardware store across the road from Bunnings, if he tried to take Bunnings on price when they say we'll beat anyone by 10% anyway, but if he actually said with every wheelbarrow, I'm going to give you a free shovel and a pitchfork, then they won't ever match him because that Happy Meal tour that they're giving away with their wheelbarrow, they'd have to have 64 committee meetings at the head office of Bunnings to even think about doing it. He can mm. still market share if you're a small business by acting fast and thinking outside the square. That's it. And uh, it's this concept of you got a discount, you got a discount, price is the thing that consumers want. It's not price that consumers want, it's, it's experience and it's, it's added value. It's, it's value. that you do talk about the concept of adding a Happy Meal toy. I mean, we're looking at brands like, you're looking at brands like Disney and you're looking at brands like McDonald's. They're doing, you know, wow, wow things like CX, um, customer experience is Disney and then and then on the back end of that the um the McDonald's Happy Meal toy adding value adding um I think another case that you did was um a slab of beer for tradies it was a landscaping thing and we will give you a yeah. slab of beer if you buy like a certain amount of lawn and and that just took off as well it was a turf a turf farm in the Tambourine Mountains and uh, he had seen the stuff that I've been doing and he just said, look, I've got six miles. That He shows you the village. He said miles instead of kilometres, but he said, I've got six miles worth of grass I can't get rid of and we've got to get rid of it to plant new seeds to be able to sell more in the season. Mm. And I said to him, wow, okay. So I visited him and you, it was like if you took a helicopter shot, we would have been talking Melbourne cricket ground multiplied by three or four times of grass that he had that he wasn't moving. I said, well, who's your audience? Of course, it's you know, going to be landscapers who need to put this on a new home. And I said, okay. So we sent out an offer to them again because they're not internet savvy. A lot of this was through the mail, but it basically said to them a big picture of a carton of crown lager. And we said for every... 500 square metres of grass, which is normally a front yard and a backyard of a normal home, we will give you a carton of Crown Lager. Mm. And he sent that out to uh, 250 of the landscapers that he had on a database, which is 500, 
and he rang me up three or four days after he'd sent the letter out. And he said, JD, we have a problem. We're like Houston, we've got a problem. I said, oh, what is it? He said, we've run out of grass. We have no grass. And he <laughs> said that landscapers who were a pain on the ass before who were just saying to him how much, and they go, oh, $5 a square metre. They'd say, oh, we can get it down the road for 480 a square metre, and he'd have to keep on dropping the price. They rang up and didn't ask you know, how much the grass was. They just said, we need 28 homes worth of grass by Friday, but don't worry, don't worry about when the grass gets here. We need the beer by Friday. We've got a party. <laughs> and that's knowing what your customer audience wants, what your target market wants, and then fitting an offer that, that fits into them. It's perfect. And the thing with this is it's all creativity. And I think, I don't know, for some reason, business owners just go directly to that discounting thing. Where do you think for you, because for you and uh, I'll, I'll blow my own horn myself, I, I like to come up with creative ideas like this as well. Where do you think that actually comes from? Is it through the experience that you had working in corporate? Is it, you know, because it, it's a hard thing to tap into. Not a lot of people, a pharmacist to do a coffee shop, like what? You know, where yep. do you where do you think it, it comes from? And and Tim, look, you know, I, I, again, without blowing too much wind up my backside, of course, I, I think I probably do have a unique skill in that creativity level. And uh, and again, I'm not wanting to sound ridiculously vain over that, but perhaps that's something I have mm. that's a little unique. However, you don't have to be me. All you've got to do is think, okay, who's my target audience, and what would be something if I gave them for free uh, in a Happy Meal toy sort of mentality. That would turn them on. Now, there's only four things that anyone should ever think about, really. Uh, I've done them all. I've done every single possible incentive you could think of. Um, the only four things you should think of is uh, movie tickets because they're uh, appealing to both sexes and all ages, petrol discounts for the same reason, uh, alcohol if it's over 18, which, of course, the turf farm was, and the biggest one of all is holidays. So, mm. therefore, if you can provide a holiday to someone, um, if, take, for example, if you said to me, look, buy X, Y, Z, and I'll give you a lawnmower, I'd say, look, I've already got a lawnmower. Oh, okay, mm. well, we'll give you a TV. I've already got three TVs. We'll give you a refrigerator. I've got one in the kitchen and one in the garage for my beer. I don't want any of that stuff. Mm. But if I've just come back from Fiji and you said to me, look, I'll give you a trip to Fiji, I'll walk back up the seaside that airplane and go back to Fiji very happily. Yeah, definitely. And and that was sort of similar. That, that was what you did with the greater um, was you got, and I really want to really want to talk about this as a, as a whole topic uh, of one, how did you get Jerry Seinfeld to work with you? Um, and then as a two pronged approach, what was the practical application that you did with Jerry Seinfeld mixed with comedy and then mixed with the Happy Meal toy of the, of the getaway? How, how did that all come about? And, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to know more about that. Well, mate, I'll, I'll go through that very quickly because I know you yeah. don't have a lot of time. But the, the other thing that I will do, it's a good segue into, if you don't mind me talking about at the end of that cycle, a little spiel, is the funescapes.com.au thing, which we just launched. Of course. Whereby I, I can provide to any business now in Australia the opportunity to give away a seven-night holiday in Bali or Phuket or holiday in Fiji or Vanuatu. Uh, for their customers, and it'll only cost them $97. You've heard me rant on about that on Facebook mm, Live, mm. but this thing has gone pretty crazy. So if you don't mind, I will lead into that. But before I even touch on the Seinfeld thing, and you said, look, what, what got you into this mode of thinking? This is stretching it because it's not exactly the absolute 100% truth. But I think when I was growing up as a kid a thousand years ago, I know that we convinced mum to buy Kellogg's because of the toy in the bottom of the box. That's, mm -hmm. that's why mum bought rice bubbles and cornflakes. And uh, I don't know whether that just, yeah, stuck in my head over the years, but I know that her purchasing decisions were swayed by Pester Power, which was me mm -hmm. and my two brothers saying, we want Kellogg's, we want Kellogg's. And maybe that stuck with me, I don't know. But uh, the, the way that I look at things is that if you can create um, a persuasion tool 
in other words, a free Happy Meal toy of some sorts for your customers, then uh, the aim of that, of course, is to do one thing, take their eyes off the price. The moment you've got the eyes off the price, then hallelujah, you're not going to be competing with Amazon, Bunnings, Woolworths or anyone else. You, you're in your own league. And how the Greater Building Society thing came about is that I've been to a thousand Anthony Robbins seminars, like a lot of us people who want to fix their mindset goes to. And I remember I was contracted by the Greater to be a consultant. And after a two-month sort of uh, time and motion study where I could see they were as boring as shit, um, I had a presentation in their boardroom with their senior managers, all very nice people, all very bland. And I threw a Happy Meal box in the middle of the table because I remember that you know, Anthony Robbins said, you've got to break the mould, as you know, we've heard him say a million times. So I thought, well, a Happy Meal box in the middle of the table will probably break the mould. And they all went smart ass because they knew I was a sharp-tongued, sarcastic so-and-so. They said, what's that all about? Even after two months, they knew I was a smart aleck. And I said, that's going to sell more home loans. And they went, uh, excuse me, and I pulled out the toy. I said, this is it. And they said, uh, a toy with a $500,000 home? I said, no, no, metaphorically, metaphorically, all right? Uh, who in the room here knows what a Happy Meal costs? Because I pulled out $100 and I said, I'll give you guys $100 to the person that comes up with the Happy Meal toy. Well, how much is the Happy Meal? They couldn't tell me. They bought a million Happy Meals. I said, it's because McDonald's took your eyes off the price because of this free toy. So we want to take the people's eyes off the price of the home loan by transferring your 1% honeymoon rate, which every bank gives, into a Happy Meal toy, into a holiday. Now, they thought I was mad because they put their hand up and said, JD, they did the skippy on me like... They said, JD, that's been done before. It doesn't work. I went, what? I've looked at all your records of your advertising. This hasn't been made. Oh, yes, it has. Three or four years ago, we said, get a home loan. You might win a trip to Disneyland. I said, no, no. This is get a home loan. You go to Disneyland, right? Mm. Anyway, that's what we did. We took the 1% honeymoon rate away and we just turned that into a holiday. So it was cost neutral. Didn't cost them any more than what they were doing when they were giving up a discount. And the thing went nuts. Within three months, they doubled their home loans. Within just over 12 months, they tripled them and it kept on going north. And about seven years into the 10-year promotion, uh, I put Seinfeld uh, you know, to the task. And you put Seinfeld, you've got Wow Factor on, on top of Wow Factor. And Jerry was just persistence, mate. All it was was that I'd signed up, I had physically signed up Robin Williams to do it and uh, he got a movie, so he had to bail. Mm. And so therefore, we chased Seinfeld. He's not easy to get to. He's harder to get to than the Pope. But after we just kept on being persistent, 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 he eventually decided to do it. And when I went to visit him for the first time, I said, why did you do this? Because he got a few dollars out of this, but nothing that he would need. I said, you got more money than God. You know, we got him for a million a year for three years. That's what it was, right? And he said, uh, look, I did it because I, I like the creative where you were bagging out the big banks and telling people to come to a smaller one. But he said, the other reason I did it is because I thought you'd never go away otherwise. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, I've um, I've been uh, in sales since I was eighteen. Um, telemarketing was my my first job, and it, yeah, it's about just having that thick skin and keep going, keep keep asking, keep asking. You know, I think every sale is made on like the second, third, fourth, fifth attempt. Um, so, Mate, first of, first of a little calendar motivational quote that I ripped off the calendar years ago, and it probably suits people like you and me, and that is uh, persistence beats intelligence. Mm. <laughs> It does though. It, it does. I mean, even even myself with this podcast, right? I've been doing this show now for fourteen months, just over a year and a half. Um, and yesterday, uh, two days ago, I did an interview with Jim Penman from Jim's Mowing, Jim's Cleaning, Jim's wow. Everything, wow. Um, wow. which which was an amazing thing. But but how I got there was persistence. Um, yeah, dead right, dead so, right, mate. Dead right. And uh, there's a mate of mine. Um, 
who is probably one of the ugliest guys in the world, and we keep on reminding him of that. <laughs> uh, we, tell, we tell him that if he's going shopping at Westfield, do not look at the reflection in the shop window because he'll scare himself. Um, and he's married to an absolute stunner. We're talking like 9.9. And mm. the only way, and this, and, you know, they're up my vintage these days, but when he actually got married to this girl many years ago, she was like absolute no, supermodel. And you know what? He keeps on saying it was just persistence. He asked her out and she just laughed. He asked her out and she laughed. And it went on probably for a month. And eventually she went out with him. And guess what? Now, you know, they're married for a thousand years and they've got three children. So that's I, that's, that's persistence beating that's persistence beating intelligence and good looks. <laughs> the two things that drive the, the whole society in Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, don't start me. Don't start me. Yeah, you know no. what? There's, 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 uh, the thing I love about this social media is, of course, uh, these people that get up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. and do the, you know, jog along the beach and then they wear the T-shirt that's always two sizes too small, of course. Yeah. And then they then they actually do the Facebook Live to show you them doing their exercises or the gymnasium. I'm thinking, do you not realise we don't care? If you're yeah. getting more set on you, but I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's I, I was, I've talked to a number of personal trainers about the fact that, you know, it's all good and well that you're posting yourself doing deadlifts and bench presses and all of this kind of stuff. But you realize that I don't, that's not me, but, but it's good. It's good to show like, this is what you can potentially do. But if that's all they're doing on social, it's, yeah, there's no cut for it. Um, Mate, I'm only on there for one reason. I quite enjoy the cheeky little you know, five or six or 10 minutes that we do, but it's just, it's for commercial reasons. I know that if I'm on Facebook or LinkedIn uh, enough, just as you do with your podcast and stuff, where you you know you got the Jim's mowing guy yesterday, which is a huge curve, mm. um, then you know I know that there's a commercial benefit at, at the end of the day. But you know this business is about showing what you had for breakfast. I just scratch my head and think, what were you thinking? Mm. Yeah, it's insane. We do we do digress, but uh, mate, can you um, do? You, would you like me to uh, talk about just for the last part of this uh, the free holiday promotion in case anyone's interested? Yeah, look, I'd I'd love to. Yeah, because that was going to be actually my last question is what have you got going on at the moment that you're really excited about? Um, just just quickly though, um, I'd love to talk to you about the website designs that you do in terms of the makeovers and and this is just just a really quick one and then we'll go to the yeah what you're doing in terms of because I know there was a tea promotion that that used the holiday thing. Um, that was really good too. So I'd love to cover all of it, but quickly, um, just one website that you really changed the outlook of it was like an Opal Mine. Um, Their website looked very 80s, 90s when you came in and then you rebranded it to almost like an Indiana Jones-style fun experience thing. Um, If people, I'll I'll put a link in the the podcast because we'll go over this one quickly so we can get to the the other point. um, basically you change the whole outlook of a website that was converting at 1% and then move it. So, yeah, just touch on that quickly and then, yeah, we'll get Good, to mate. It. Good, mate. Look, uh, these days I'm an old fart, but because of the game that I'm in, I've had to remain contemporary and uh, reasonably modern in my thinking and outlook. And to be honest with you, I've got digital marketing agencies on board my programs because what they are looking for is old world uh, direct response tactics uh, injected into the new world communications. And and that's, I think, that probably the benefit we bring to businesses is that I was the largest scratch ticket producer in Australia for quite a number of years. I did all of the scratch bingo games for Fairfax and for News Limited. Um, I was contracted by Packer to sell more Women's Day magazines and Burke mm. Backyard and Women's Weeklies and McDonald's and KFC and 7-Eleven, all these things. And they all wanted direct response ideas that would 
you know, make the cash resources ring pretty quickly because they already had the brand building. They had a big agency looking after sponsoring the Olympics or putting billboards on the side of the football fields or whatever it may be. But what they wanted was ideas that would turn money around quickly, which guess what? Every SME wants, every small business owner wants. And in this uh, website world that we live in these days, the thing that I find is absolutely crazy is that people go to a website designer, normally a bit of hipster with a black T-shirt and Doc Martens, and they say, can you actually build me a website? Now, he or she, uh, Doc, I just looked at you, damn it, you're wearing a beard, Tim. I just bagged the crap out of you. It's okay, it's, it's just stubble. It's not, it's not the full hipster. It's, it's not the full that's hipster. Miami, that's Miami vice. Yeah, exactly. So therefore, exactly. Uh, the trash of my finish, I haven't been around that yet. Um, So the thing is, is that uh, when I look at the websites, they might be pretty, uh, but whether they sell is probably debatable. And so what we say to people is that your website homepage is the most important page on the website. You wouldn't know it for most businesses, Um, just as the front cover of the Women's Day magazine, of course, is the most important uh, asset for them. So we say that you have to have up the top a problem solution headline. So if it happens to be Jenny Craig, it would be a before and after of a lady who's not feeling good about herself and a weight and all of a sudden four weeks later, she looks like a supermodel. So it's a problem solution headline up the top. Then you need an explainer video because that's what we all look at these days. And uh, people say to me, how long would that be? If it was Robin Williams, it could go for an hour. If it's a boring person, 60 minutes. So make Mm. up your own mind. Then what you need, of course, is a data capture facility, which normally is a free report or free something. And that means there's a half a chance you're going to have the names and contact details of people who came to your dinner party, which is your website. And you're not much fussed about their email anymore. You know the main thing is their mobile. And then what you need to do is select the best testimonials that you've got, preferably video, but if not, you know, in text, don't put them on your testimonial page because heat mapping that we've done shows that it's only you and your relatives that have ever been to your testimonial page. So pick out the top two and put them on your homepage. Uh, And of course, what you would do is probably put on there something like the three biggest benefits. Don't make them two, don't make them four, make them three, because we've done enough testing to know that three big benefits are going to win over two or four. Mm. So what happened is that this guy with an opal mind, a lovely guy, Greg Mackay, his name is, and he's a dear friend now. We don't say anything nice to each other, but he's a good friend. Um, He had an attraction in uh, Lightning Ridge, which is an opal uh, sort of country town. And there's a few opal mines there. And his one, attracted people who put on the hard hat and they'd go through the little tunnels. I couldn't do it. I'm claustrophobic. But they go underground and they watch a couple of little poor animatronic figures. Like, I don't know, they bought them secondhand from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Maybe, I don't know. But they got the little pick and shovel. And we're going backwards and forwards. Uh, they're bored shitless inside here and they come out half an hour later. Well, some come out. Some are probably still in there. And um, I said to him, who do you get? He said, well, it's basically just people in God's waiting room as people, seniors that have got their caravans and they pop. I said, mate, you've got to widen the funnel to include children. And he said, oh, how do we do that? I said, get rid of your website because it was just awful. And if you've got a link on here, people will see what the transformation yeah. was. It was just a few picks and shovels and a few rocks that looked like opals and that was it. So we then turned it into a Disney, Indiana Jones theme, made sure it was no longer the opal mine, the opal mine walk, I think it was called. So we turned mm. it into the uh, the uh, Opal Mine adventure and Indiana Jones style figures was all over it. And when you came out at the other end, you actually dug for a di- dug for an opal uh, in a little sand pit. And if you got one, then you're in the draw to win fifty thousand dollars, which was an wow. insured promotion. That it cost him a thousand dollars, but it was insured. So on and so forth. So we really Disneyfied the whole thing up. And uh, I'd say that if you spoke to Greg today, this was a few years ago, it hasn't made just a difference to his business. It's made millions of dollars worth of difference. Wow. 
Awesome. Yeah. Um, so you actually touched on there. We'll, we'll get into it now. The the competitions and the insurance behind the competitions as well. But um, yeah, what are you leading into at the moment that is exciting? And you're talking about it a fair bit. How um, you can bring competitions for businesses that want to do it, um, but don't realize that there's actually options for them to give away a really massive wow prize. So yeah, tell us a bit about that. And Okay, that one, mate, is very uh, simple. If you, anyone wants to go to goldensweepstakes.com, I think it's .com. If it's not, it's .com.au, but goldensweepstakes.com or .com.au. It's, um, you'll see there that you can – we have a package promotion these days where we give you the $50,000 and we give you all of the you know, the entry mechanisms and all this sort of stuff. Uh, basically, uh, big insurance companies, the likes of Lloyd's, uh, offer prize insurance, uh, and we happen to have an association with them for 15 years, so we get it at the right price. Uh, that million dollars that is given away on who wants to be a millionaire, Channel 9 doesn't give that away. It's given away by an insurance company. Mm. Um, and so all these big prizes, are, most of them at least, uh, whether Coca-Cola, whoever's given them away, have actually got an insurance uh, policy. And basically, it's based on the probability of the prize being won. So if you actually want to simulate trade and you say, look, every time you buy X dollars from me, you get an entry into this contest to win 100000 or $200,000, the, the in premium insurance premium that you pay on that is based at the end what the likelihood of the price going off. So we normally say at the end, you draw someone out in a preliminary draw and they get to choose from one in 250 envelopes on the boardroom table. And in one of those envelopes that's been delivered by the scrutineer from the insurance company, they don't let you do it, of course, they don't trust you. Uh, he's got a, he's got the million dollars or the 100,000 in one of those 250 envelopes on the boardroom table. And the person who's won the preliminary draw goes any, many, money, mo. If they pick the right one, they walk away with the 100 grand or the million. And if they don't, they walk away with a consolation prize, which might be a holiday or might be product or something of that nature. But you as a business owner get the benefit of having an, an Elvis found headline, but you're paying a very small amount of money for it. Yeah. And then the key thing on the back end of that is the 250 envelopes that don't, it's not just, oh, okay, now you have a one in 250 chance because you're the winner. So you got a bit of excitement and now it's like, oh, there's another gate. But the fact that that the other 249 envelopes will have something substantial still in it so that if they get that, they don't feel like they've been sort of cheated out of it. Mate, if they, if they miss out on the, you know, the $250,000 and all the other 249 losing envelopes, there's a, a pencil case, then they will stab you through the eye with a pencil. Yeah, so yeah. It's, got, it's got to be a decent price. But you know what? Having said all that, whoever's watching or listening to this, do not run a contest, okay? You're talking to or you're looking at or listening to at the moment, probably no one in the world would have run as many sweepstakes or contests as I have. We've had quite a few decades doing it and I'm born again. Do not run a contest. I do not know any human being who's ever uh, you know, been influenced with their purchase decision uh, to you know, enter a contest. Um, they're a complete furphy. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that sounds uh, over the top, and I'm, I am being over the top just to get your attention. Of course, I've run lots of contests that have worked, but I'm going to show you something right now that would make you agree with me that when this is available, you'd never, ever, ever for the rest of your life run a contest because this will blitz it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and, and you're going to say now, and now you're going to say, Tim, well, what the hell is that, JD? Yeah, well, it's there's a difference between a contest and a sweepstakes, you know? Oh, is yes, that what you're no, saying? I mean, but but yeah, I will yeah. ask. Yeah, what what are you talking about? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So therefore, if uh, if I ran the get a home loan, get a holiday promotion, like the greater told me they had run it previously, I would have got the same result. Theirs was get a home loan from us, and you go in the draw to win a trip to Disneyland. Mine yeah. was get a home loan from us, you go to Disneyland. 
Mm. So my view is is that you buy, you get is always going to be a million times over. You buy, you might win. It's just common sense. We all know that. Yeah. So well, I don't think done, it is. I don't think it is common sense because common sense isn't that common. Not. So yeah, maybe not. Maybe not, but you know yourself, any one of us, I mean, I've never entered a contest in my life, probably because I make all this crap up, but nonetheless, the thing is, is that, uh, is that if you are giving Betty Banks down the opportunity to you buy something and you might win something versus you buy something and you damn get it, you just get it, mm. I know which one's going to win. And that's why, get a home loan, nine words, we just stuck to nine words, get a home loan, get a free holiday. Yeah. Um, and that was it. So what we've done is that I've partnered up uh, with an international travel company and we've launched in the beginning of December something which, thank goodness, is going to be my retirement package because it's gone off like a cracker. We cannot keep up with it. I'm turning the Facebook ads off because Perfect. we can't talk to our businesses. And what it is is that a business can buy from us. It's called funescapes.com.au and a business can buy from us a holiday up to seven nights in Bali, uh, Koh Samui, Phuket, Fiji, Vanuatu, the Gold Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, all of these wonderful locations, they can buy a resort holiday for a family of four for $97. And then they can give that holiday away as an incentive for someone to buy their product. Wow. So whether it's a landscaper or whether it happens to be someone selling solar or someone selling motor cars or whatever it may be, what they can do is that they can persuade uh, that person to not even consider price, but to buy that product from them because they'll get a free holiday up to seven nights in any one of these ideal locations and it's going to cost them a lousy 97 bucks. Wow. Wow. That's so much better than an ebook or a thing or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim, look, the people, uh, the, the, the biggest objection we get when I put the Facebook ads on and people, you know, contact the sales guys that I've got on board is that this sounds too good to be true. And we get the violin out and we go, yeah, we know it is. Uh, but it is true. Uh, all that's happened is that this international travel company contacted me because they thought I had half a clue with all of this direct response stuff. And they said, look, we've been around to all these places. They're, beating, they're getting beaten up by Airbnb. So they don't have full occupancy hardly ever. Most nights they're running at 30% vacancy. So we said, give us the rooms for free. We'll sell them into promotional packages like this. And then you get the room at least full and those people are going to eat food and beverage at the restaurants Perfect. and cafes. They have massages. So that's all it is. We're just getting rid of dead rooms in hotels that they wouldn't have got money for anyway. They still don't get money for it because we keep it. Uh, but essentially what they do is fill the room with people who are going to eat and drink over the next seven days. Amazing. Yep. And there's no no timeshare presentations, none of that BS whereby, oh, yeah, you've got to sit down for a two-hour present. None of that. There's no hoops they need to jump through. It's really, really simple. And when you say that to people, the whole – notion of I was too good to be true goes out the window because they mm. realise this is a very clever way of getting rid of dead stock. Um, but the way that we've put it together on fun, I'm going to drop it again, but funescapes.com.au, you'll see that we've really, we, we throughout the years that I did the greater, I knew that the way to attract people, because we did a lot of research, was white sand, turquoise water, blue sky, no clouds with attractive people wearing white clothing. So you'll see all over the site and we tell anyone that's going to run this promotion, um, make sure you follow the ad resources that we're provided mm. because we're provided every pull up banners, flags. Yep. And the, the thing, I was at a real estate seminar yesterday. I had to speak at it and um, we had a table rush. You don't see that too often in seminars these days. It's the old days when Anthony Robbins used to sell tapes and people would run down the back of the room. I oh, said to a real estate agent, there was about 40 of them. <clears throat> I said, guys, what do you want? They said appraisals. I said, okay, well, I'll give away a holiday with an appraisal. They went, what? We just give away the listing. I said, no, you won't. 
you're an idiot for giveaway or listing, then you know you may as well put a letterbox drop out or a Facebook campaign and said, look, we need to know valuations in the area because people are asking us how much you know homes are. So rather than just use RP data, which is a software system, we'd love to get into real houses and find out what they're worth so that we've got that on our system. So what we're willing to do to, for you to give up 45 minutes to come in and do an appraisal for your house, then what we'll do is we'll give you a free holiday. Mm. Uh, they will they will have so many people asking for appraisals. It's not funny. And I asked the real estate agents how many listings, in other words, homes for sale, do you get out of appraisals? Like if you did 10 appraisals, how many listings would you get? And they said, oh, probably two, probably three. I said, good. So therefore, if you give away 10 holidays for 10 appraisals, that's $970. But you pick up two or three homes out of that and your commission is 15 or 20 grand. You've just picked up 40 to 60 grand for $970. Who's going to do that every day of the week? Mm, everyone. That's, that's, really why cool. that's why we have the table rush. <laughs> I think that's a really awesome spot to leave it on, uh, JD. I, I just want to thank you again. Um, but just, just the last question, I'll put all the links in the detail. There was a few websites there that you um, you mentioned. Uh, so if you could send, you'll probably send me a message and I'll put all that in the, the description of this episode. Um, but yeah, Louis, if someone wants to reach out to you, um, find more of your content, um, what's, what's the best place to go to? Yeah, mate, just my email address, john at theinstituteofwow.com. Uh, and, of course, the website is just theinstituteofwow.com. There's no AU, so it's just .com because we're a massive conglomerate. You know? mm, that's <laughs> it. That's it. Awesome. Well, JD, I've been Tim, you've been John, and uh, we've been talking. So, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. All right, there you have it, the episode with John Dwyer. If you guys are interested to know more about the $97 campaign that he talked about, I'll put that in the link in the description below. That is a fantastic campaign and something that if you want some more information about, I'll flick it in the description there. Apart from that, I'd love for you guys to give a like and subscribe on the show. If you're listening along, take a screenshot of you listening, put it on your story, tag Bean Talking in it, and I'll feature you in our page and our story as well. Really cool to see who's listening along. So that's fantastic. Now let's talk to you guys about a little bit about podcast production. And this is something that I've now started working with some amazing clients already. If you're listening along going, wow, I'd love to have my own podcast, my own show where I'm putting out amazing content on a weekly, monthly, fortnightly basis. That's something I want to hold your hand through and teach you everything I've learned via my podcasting experience as well. So if you want to find out more, email me, get in touch at either Instagram, Facebook, or the email is tim at beantalking.com.au. Apart from that, a like, subscribe, and review is always amazing. And I'll see you guys in the next show.